The Psychoanalysis Podcast explores the ways that horror movies examine mental health issues. It deals with mature and sometimes disturbing subject matter, and it may not be suitable for all listeners. It is meant for entertainment purposes only, and not as a substitute for proper therapy. If you or a loved one are currently experiencing mental health difficulties, please contact your local mental health center. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. Breathe in. Breathe out. This is Psychoanalysis. This is Psychoanalysis, a horror therapy podcast, analyzing the horror genre through the lens of mental health. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Mike Snoonian. And Laura is unable to join us today, but she will be back next week. But never fear, we have a special guest joining us today. We are joined by Ashley Cassidy from the Keep It Weird podcast. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. We're so excited. All right. So this is a comfort horror episode, and we define <laughs> comfort horror as the scary movies that bring us joy. And this one I'm so excited to talk about because it falls just smack in the middle of my 90s horror sweet spot, which is my favorite <laughs> time period for horror. So, so excited. Ashley, what movie are we talking about today? Today we're talking about Phantoms. Yay! And I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> I know we may be the only podcast dedicating a full episode to phantoms. So, you know, <laughs> it's a really big word for me. Words that have never been uttered. <laughs> oh. Hey, you know what? That's what makes us awesome, you know. Uh, but before we do, we're going to give a brief synopsis in case you haven't seen phantoms or it's been a while. So here is your spoiler alert. I spoil the movie. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's been in my head all day. I apologize to everyone, but I couldn't, couldn't help it. Okay. Uh, Rose whoa, Mc- whoa, whoa, da, 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 da. I love that song. <laughs> all right. Rose McGowan's older sister, Jenny, is driving them both through the mountains to the town of Snowfield. They are very fancy with a car phone and everything. <laughs> the town of Snowfield has 400 year-round residents and up to 4,000 in the summer, but it's mysteriously quiet today. Jenny is the town doctor and works out of her home. It's all very Doc Hollywood. They find Jenny's housekeeper dead on the floor. Yikes, but there's no blood and no sign of a struggle. She is all veiny, though. Also, the phones are out of order. Their car also won't start, and so they walk to the police station where they find another body. Not only is he all veiny too, but his head is gooey on the bottom. And he got off <laughs> He got off three rounds with a gun. But who did he shoot? What did he shoot ah. though? <laughs> they go into a very spooky alley behind the bakery looking for the Liebermans and hear someone walking above them. When they get into the bakery, they find a woman's severed and cauterized hands on a rolling pin. And this is where I legit wrote, What the fuck? in my notes. <laughs> What is this movie? Wait, hold on. Man, that hands thing. Well, we'll save it. The oven timer dings ominously, but it's only pies. Psych! Two heads fall from the overhead oven on top of the pies. It's just a bunt cake. It's just a bunt <laughs> just cake. A bu- that's what it is. Bunt cake. I'm sorry. Uh, they are cake. pies, though, in the oven. Oh, She's that's just right. hoping beyond hope that it's a bunt cake. Bunt cakes, I mean... It dep- I mean, I, I guess sure. if you put some lemon glaze on top of it, but listen, know. I'm not going to turn down a bunt cake, <laughs> <That's> but <true. laughs> if I am in a bakery and something dings in the oven, I'm going to assume it's a pie That's or true. a cake or yeah. yeah, 
I agree. <laughs> the phone rings, but it's just weird mumblings. Then they're found by two of my 90s crushes, Ben Affleck in a cowboy hat and Liam Schreiber in hot serial killer glasses. <laughs> they don't know what's going on either. I'm going to have some thoughts about this later. <laughs> just spoilers. Uh, ben Affleck is Sharon Hammond, and he's kind of a dick. Although I think he softens by the end of the movie. Liv is Stu, and they have another deputy who has a mustache. Not being one of my 90s crushes, he probably won't last too long. As they go into the street, a loud siren goes off throughout the town. There are lights on at the Candle Glow Inn. Stu takes it upon himself to check it out, and he might be acting a little weird. Inside the Candle Glow, they hear I Fall to Pieces playing upstairs, which is why I was singing that song, not because I'm weird, just for the record. Uh, ben Affleck goes upstairs to check it out. He opens the door but sees an image of a boy pointing a gun at him. Stu goes into a room and finds a dead woman lying in bed. He cops a weird feel that makes me mad that I can't have a crush on him in this movie anymore. The sheriff busts him for looking for clues. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. That's why I call it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not necrophilia at all. <laughs> they find a mirror with the words, Timothy Flight, the ancient enemy, written on it in lipstick. But the tube is gone. In another room, they find all the metal from people's bodies, like watches, buttons, glasses, gold teeth, you know, etc. Uh-oh. In the lobby, they find the severed hand with the tube of lipstick. It wasn't there before, and I Fall to Pieces starts playing ominously again, and Stu starts whistling. <sighs> they hear someone screaming outside. Steve runs at Steve's the mustache guy, whose name I didn't know before. Oh, so, <laughs> okay, Steve. Steve. Sure. <laughs> right, right. Steve runs out to help and disappears, leaving his shoes, watch, and gun behind. Affleck tries to call in for backup on the CB, but next they hear that weird mumbling again and worry that no one got the message. They see a large bat-sized thing outside and all of them shoot the fuck out of it. The thing flies away and Stu goes to the now open window thinking they killed it, but then it flies back in and gets Stu right in the serial killer glasses. It looks like a gigantic bat slash dragonfly and flies away. Jenny gives Stu an informal autopsy. The thing ate his face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and his eyes exactly. and his tongue and his brain <laughs> Rose says the thing wants men like Stu first same Rose <laughs> which like out of there's no what's the scientific theory behind I know. that He's hot. I think she just felt his like super creepy, creepy vibes and was like, if anything evil is here, it's going to want guys like that first. Right. She felt his vibes immediately. She Mm -hmm. was like, "Mm -mm -mm." nope, something wrong. She had a line or like, give her something to say. (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't really come back either. (laughs) But because it wants to dance with the rest of them. So back in the big city, the FBI asks Peter O'Toole, a.k.a. Dr. Flight, about some articles he's written about this ancient enemy. He's a paleobiologist, I think, and these articles got him kicked out of the academic community. In a quiet moment, Jenny tells the sheriff that their mother drinks and she thought taking Lisa in to live with her would help. Turns out Sheriff Affleck used to be an FBI agent. He shot a kid hiding in a closet with a toy gun. (laughs) A cab. This is the kid he saw in the closet earlier. <laughs> it is a sad story. But, you know. It's the most unbelievable part of the story because he got demoted. <laughs> yeah. So, he, he did not so get you, fired at all. No one looking at fiction. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, some screamy gel substance. 
some screamy gel. But I, I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> Meanwhile, some screamy gel substance drips down out of the faucet. Maybe it's steamy. Anyways, Rose drops a cigarette in the sink and hears faint screaming coming from the drains. Oh, I think it was screaming and the gel was dripping. That's where yes, the yes, yes. Screamy gel substance, sense. of course, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gel that's screaming. Exactly. I mean, you know, if I was going to be we gel, I would scream, you know. <laughs> All right. Someone else is now in the previously empty bathroom. Turns out it is ghost Liev and he ghost hits on Lisa. Uh-oh, now all of the bodies are gone. Outside, a helicopter flies overhead, but it's doing infrared photography so it doesn't stop. Never fear, though. The FBI has commandeered Peter O'Toole. He's not thrilled about it, but they are on their way to help. Lisa and Jenny try to leave, but the cart... <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't... I was so early when I wrote this, and I... Couldn't think of the word for engine, so I wrote the car drive stuff has been crushed. The stuff that makes the car go. Exactly. <laughs> the I car, thought you, you know? were going to say you were going to write, Jenny goes around the block and Affleck immediately perks uh, mm, up. <laughs> nice. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Um, they hear screaming in the town, which is probably bait. Peter O'Toole gives us some, or maybe just some gel, just, you know, hanging out. <laughs> some, <laughs> some screamy gel. Screamy gel, yeah. Peter O'Toole gives us some info about other times in human history where entire towns have just vanished. He says the thing they're looking for is chaos. And I got very excited. <laughs> Back in the police station, Affleck and Jenny are bonding. I, Tim Buck says they kiss by the end of the movie. Spoiler alert, they do not. Nope. I know. I was shocked, though. Didn't need it. No, they didn't. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that they didn't go there. <laughs> then a bunch, of, a bunch of trucks roll into town. They're filled with soldiers who are all probably about to die. They're all wearing hazmat suits and start sweeping through the town, including the sewer. Investigating the town, they go into the chapel where they find another pile of metal and body things. Peter O'Toole says they're undigestive remains, and the body laying next to them on the floor is just waiting for dessert. A very 90s actor I recognize, but whose name I can't remember, also a member of the team, goes down into the sewer. He gets got from below and dragged into the nasty water. In the chapel, one of the scientists is petting a sweet little doggy, but it goes full thing and starts shooting tentacles into the faces of everyone else. They all die, but then reanimate in their suits and tell Dr. Flight that he was brought here. They tell him to go do his research, very ominously. Mm-hmm. The FBI team leader is just standing on normal concrete when he ends up standing in a pool of black inky goo. It turns into a tentacle and stabs him, filling up his suit. But then he comes back, an alien voice says to Flight to do his research, write the gospel, don't, but don't try to leave. Witness to the miracle. And then this Witness part, me. This part really fucked me up. He spits out a giant piece of glass from the faceplate of his suit and spits into it, and the spits creates a lizard, which alien says it's his which the alien says it's his flesh for flight to study back in the truck lab flight says it's the oldest species on earth maybe some kind of flatworm it can absorb the knowledge of things it touches the science there i, I was a little unclear about the science here <laughs> <laughs> it starts talking to them through a 90s computer it absorbed some of the townspeople's ideas and now thinks it's the devil ben affleck very aggressively wants to know how to kill it and peter O'Toole's like oh fucking no i've never seen this thing before i don't know what it's made of. exactly yeah that's why they have the lizard spit totally yes but ben affleck just wants to know right now 
Peter O'Toole turns out the power to the truck lab so they can't hear him. He's found a chemical used to break up oil spills that they think might work. Also, all the FBI team on the perimeter got got by the reanimated science suit <laughs> officers, which kind of reminded me of Bedknobs and Broomsticks when the, the armor comes to life, which I was very into. Yeah. I used Creepy. to love that movie. Ben Affleck gingerly walks to the other truck lab to get some suitcases. He's followed by a sweet but definitely possessed dog and a reanimated General Copperfield. The dog is suspicious but lets Ben Affleck back into the other truck lab. They are ready to attack and Peter O'Toole is the bait. He walks up to an open sewer hole and says, How can I write about you when I can't even show you? And I'm sorry, I could not get... How can they learn to read if they can't even fit in the building in my head? <laughs> and this is a building for ants. Exactly. I could not get that out of my heaven or that. <laughs> but he says, how can I write about you when I can't even see you? Show me. And then he like really just kisses the thing's ass, says they're preparing a weapon, but he's just feeding its ego. He tells it death is for mortals, not for gods. And then all the souls of the town are there, all the dead bodies it's eaten. They all stand in the road and stare at him. Then a massive light tornado swirls up from the ground, (laughs) kind of like a worm monster. Okay, well, when you put it all this way. Totally. (laughs) It makes total sense, right? (laughs) They come out of the lab truck and shoot it with the serum. It's now infected and really angry and smashes the town a bunch. Jenny and Lisa go into the police station and get some guns, but leave Shriver is there all thinged out. They shoot him a bunch, but he starts singing I Fall to Pieces and gets back up. He asks if they want to, hey, you want to see something? And then his body <laughs> turns into a bunch of tentacles from the waist down. That is not a euphemism. <laughs> he limbos toward them with witty little quips and they run but he bursts up through the attic floor and tries to grab them jenny shoots it a bunch and it tries to reform around the gun but she shoots some of the chemicals into it and that seems to kill it while all of this is happening ben affleck descends into the sewers he sees that kid that's been haunting him the kid thing picks up a syringe full of chemicals and ben affleck shoots the syringe which makes the chemicals explode all over it That seems to work, destroying it. We hear it screams in all the places that it used to live in the town. The four of them meet back up. Lisa is happy that the souls are at peace. And Peter O'Toole says, the thing won, though. He is going to tell the world. And he's like, I'm going to make a bunch of money, too. Um, And it cuts to his new documentary about the ancient enemy, which I would love to watch. I would watch that. I know, man. Heartbeat. Totally. It sounds really cool. (laughs) Some people are watching it in a bar because, you know, That's what I like to watch in bars. Yeah. (laughs) And a gentleman next to them starts laughing. And he asks if they want to see something. And it's Leah Schreiber. Ah. Oh, boy. All right. And And we never got a sequel. And I don't understand why. I know. (laughs) This was really fun. Give me one reason. I know. Sci-Fi Channel, come on. (laughs) This would be perfect for you. We'll talk about those reasons. (laughs) (laughs) So now let's do a feelings check. And this is where we share our first experience with phantoms and how we feel when we watch it. And Ashley, would you care to kick us off? Yeah, I would love to. (laughs) So I was a pretty big horror fanatic as a kid. And I don't really know where it came from because my mom hates horror and my dad doesn't really care for it either. Mm -hmm. But my dad was a huge sci-fi fan. So like Terminator, Alien, uh, Men in Black. And he would, he he really liked the ones that kind of scared me. Mm-hmm. So then he started recording movies for me on old VHS tapes. Aww. So 
I would have like Friday the 13th part three and species on like the same VHS. Oh, nice. And so I had a little like double feature. I could pop in whenever I wanted mm-hmm. and I did so all the time. But Phantoms was the first VHS I bought and I bought it sort of like you. I had no idea what it was about, but I loved Scream. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the cover and I saw Liv Schreiber and Rose McGowan, I was like, oh, this must be Scream. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> totally what they were going scream. for. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> this movie had so many issues with like casting and <laughs> promotion, but it was not Scream. But it did blow my freaking mind, and it was like nothing I had ever seen before. Mm -hmm. And I think that I loved it so much because it introduced so many new frightening ideas Mm -hmm. to me Mm -hmm. that I had never thought of before because it wasn't an alien or a blob-like monster, and it wasn't a ghost, but it was kind of all three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so... I played this movie on repeat up in my bedroom. It was always in the VHS player. I showed it to every friend I had. And so like Phantoms for me opened up a huge world of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And I really truly think more than any other horror film maybe like was the gateway to what I'm into today. Mm -hmm. Like because now I have a podcast. It's called Keep It Weird where we research and discuss interdimensional beings and like strange mass disappearances and the possibility that there are undiscovered frequencies or creatures in our world that we haven't you know discovered yet and you know you can sort of shake your head at that like the kind of people who are like the megalodon still exists and bigfoot and da 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 Mm -hmm. but like we have existed humans have existed for thousands of years and it was just in the past like two centuries that we really discovered electricity and radio waves Mm -hmm. and those are naturally occurring phenomenon Mm -hmm. on our planet like radio waves have been around since before dinosaurs Mm -hmm. and we didn't know so yeah it was absolutely a gateway into my like curiosity that I have today Mm -hmm. it also introduced me to the idea of a cab (laughs) (laughs) Like truly, mm-hmm. because Stu specifically, and I know we'll have a lot to say about Stu, mm-hmm. but he was kind of the first cop that gave me really icky feelings. Mm-hmm. And today most cops do. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I watched CNN. It's because the boys I went to high school with who became cops are the last fucking people on the planet who should be cops, mm. like super aggressive, physically violent, not particularly emotionally or intellectually intelligent. Mm-hmm. And like nine times out of 10, the interactions I have with law enforcement has been super negative. And it's always when I'm trying to get help, like I'm not breaking the law and then having a crummy experience. I'm usually the one asking for assistance mm-hmm. and then having a shitty experience. So like, the idea of ACAB is very real and Stu was for sure my introduction to like, oh, wait, cops are just people and people are inherently flawed. And so not every police officer is a good guy, which by and large is what we're taught as children because police, police teachers, priests, you know, those yeah. are the people that we're taught, like, go to them for help. Mm-hmm. So like he really was the first instance of me going like oh wait not all cops are good Mm, mm -hmm. and now look where we are maybe if we had all paid a little bit more attention to Stu wargle and phantoms (laughs) yep Mm -hmm. could have written some laws i think my my (laughs) introduction to that was a terminator 2 i was like oh Oh, yeah well (laughs) but mike what about you 
Yeah, I knew nothing about this heading in except that Affleck was the bomb in it. Like that really <laughs> Affleck was the bomb. Was it? Like I will never get tired of that joke. Fun fact, like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was like the last movie that I saw in theaters before 9/11. So oh. I just remember like the Sunday before like sitting next to my friend Chad and him turning next to me when the lights went down, clapping his hands together. And going, let the dick and fart jokes begin. And <laughs> commence they did. And you were like, life will never get hard. Right. Life will never be better than this. Like, this is, Man. I think I sat there like, this is the peak. This is as good as it's going to get. It. You know, yeah. and then two days later, 9-11 happened. So it's been all downhill. It's it really, really has. my fault. It's <laughs> yeah. really Thanks, Mike. I'm the worst. I can totally... Like sometimes we'll do a comfort horror movie like we were kind of talking off air and some of the movies that we've done for comfort horror, like they go pretty hard. Mm -hmm. You're like the witch's comfort horror. Like what? (laughs) You know, this is total comfort. Like this is like really fun. It is late 90s in all of the best ways where it's like, all right. You can just see the pitch where it's like, we need (laughs) Peter O'Toole, like one of the greatest actors (laughs) of his generation, like seven time Oscar nominee. We we need need him to act next to like Rose McGowan and Lee Schreiber. Like we (laughs) need it, you know, put this in front of cameras. It has that feel of like 80 sci-fi horror. Like there are elements of the blob and there are elements of the thing obviously but it also reminded me in parts of like john carpenter's prince of darkness oh yeah uh, especially with the the you know satan come to life and then overtaking a bunch of persons and he was kind of goo in that too yes yeah <laughs> so it Screamy reminded goo. me of that and all of those movies are takes on 50 sci-fi horror like updates on that so it was kind of fun to see a decade later and we saw that also with like the faculty mm-hmm. they had the cops were wearing santa mira badges i don't know if anyone saw those patches and santa mira is the town uh from the original invasion of the body snatchers no in the 50s. way yep. and also the town I in halloween that. three so like a nice little homage there that it's not super obvious the other thing that got me like right away is like we put this movie on last night over dinner and I'm like, holy shit, like this is Telluride, Colorado. Like it's where, and it's not, it's actually Georgetown, Colorado, but it looks just like Telluride. So I got just giddy that I'll be going back there again to host Telluride Horror in a couple months. Um, It's just like probably the most beautiful part of the country. Um, So seeing something set there, like this like little town in the mountains among the snow, it's like a classic Western town, like with the flat roofs, everything is brick. Like it has just like a real geography to it that you don't see. Like everything now is like set in city and you just have like <laughs> suburb, yeah. you know, and mm. this had a real feel to it. So, yeah, I definitely enjoyed watching this movie. It was like really fun, light entertainment as a native Bostonian. I am required by law to enjoy Ben Affleck. So, (laughs) and I do enjoy in a non-ironic way, like early Affleck, this was a run of like did mall rats, which Mm -hmm. again, 
one of the greatest lines in in comedy history. Like he's going to screw her somewhere uncomfortable. What the back of a Volkswagen? <laughs> he does that. He does chasing Amy. He goes on to oh shit, the one he won an Oscar for, Goodwill Good Hunting. She Good <laughs> co-wrote yeah. like what a run. And then after, and so this is like nestled in between like that indie run, mm-hmm. and then it's like Armageddon. Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Um, you're getting like big time Ben, like day- Benifer is right around the corner. And mm-hmm. like, what a run, Mr. Affleck. Good. I, I you know, <laughs> what a career. He, yeah. He's got on to do some great things directing. I just like him. I don't know. Like, he gets a lot of shit for reasons that are beyond. Like, I guess every few months, him and Damon will come out and say something where their heart's in the right place, but it's kind of dumb. Yeah. And you're like, it's kind of easy to dunk at that point, but he's yeah. been someone who's like really open about his sobriety and I just really like him. And then Rose McGowan, 1998, I'm sure we'll talk about, I'm sure this guy, what has two thumbs and is going to like <laughs> have Jen hitting the edit button. <laughs> this oh, no. guy. It'll counteract my leave, leave talk. Oh, where it's going to go. <laughs> I got some so, and spoiler for the patrons, like they'll probably both come up again with this month's bonus episode for the patrons where we do like the hottest hunks in horror. <laughs> That's so, the seven part yeah. series. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting, like talking to my daughter about Rose McGowan last night, like when mm-hmm. she was watching it with us and telling her story. And like she's someone who has been the, through the ringer mm-hmm. many yeah. times over in. Even with her like missteps, I say she deserves a lot of leeway given what she's been put through. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. So on that downer note, Jen, <laughs> what did you enjoy about? Well, that kind of leads into the first thing I enjoyed about this. I know that Dimension Films and Miramax has this huge, horrible backstory to it, but I got a little chill when I saw the words dimension films come on Mm -hmm. the screen because that's just like, I love, like, I could just hear the music to Scream starting in my head, you know, specifically Scream 2, I think it's the one that comes into my head the most because I love that soundtrack. But man, like this, this was my favorite stretch of horror still. Um, This is when I really started to get excited about horror movies. I was already very into Stephen King, but this is when I really started to fall in love with the movies. Um, cause they were movies that weren't too scary for me to watch, you know, and they were like, I feel like yeah. people that were kind of close to my age or my age adjacent cause I graduated in 99. So I was like maybe a little younger than, than some of these kids or at least some of the kids in scream. But, um, I just love this stretch. And this is one that I missed. I have no idea how I didn't watch this movie because I love everybody in this movie, specifically Liv Schreiber. Love him. Cotton Weary, I know he's 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 questionable sometimes, but man, I just love him. He's he's 100%. a big crush. 100% Cotton, yeah. Um so I but I don't know why I missed this one and I don't I, I think didn't, a lot of people did. Yeah, I don't even really have a memory of it. Because if you look at the cover, it just looks like a cheap bad like knockoff horror movie it's, it's a really bad cover it is and it has and i'm sure the trailer is not good right yeah i was <laughs> like I, I, oh comes from below well jen in 1999 like was 18 year old jen fresh out of high school going peter o'toole in a <laughs> no i didn't know who peter o'toole was i don't think right he stands out on that 
uh, poster. Yes, he does. A lot. I know why they put him furthest back. Exactly. But boy, oh boy. And they just have to put shocker. him on there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so I looked at this cover. Like when you suggested this, I didn't even in my mind locate it as 90s horror. Like I think I thought, right. I was like, okay, I have no clue what this movie is. Um, And then I got excited because it looks like it's going to be Scream. It looks like it's going to be like a slasher. A slasher. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which I'm sure was by design to try to get mm-hmm. people to say, oh, it's Scream. I'll watch it, you know. Um, and actually, I really liked it. And I think they would have done themselves a favor, like actually marketing what it is, because it's really fun. I feel like it's it's kind of slight when you compare it to things like it and the thing, you know. Right. But that's fun. Like, I feel like this would be a good gateway into some of those kind of ideas, because like you said, Ashley, I think you put it really well. It's like almost a ghost story. It's almost sci fi. It's almost like it's almost like a demon possession. Like it kind of flirts with all of these things, but never goes too hard into them. And it's gory and graphic, but not really in a, I'm sorry, it's gory, but not in a really graphic way. Yeah. You know, like we're seeing like, like hands, the hands on that um, rolling pin. Chopping board. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? But it doesn't feel like really upsettingly gory, you know? Um, and, you know, I've talked a lot about how I love snow horror. So anytime there is yes. snow in horror, I just like lose my mind. Um, and it, I, I didn't realize that it was based on the book by Dean Koontz, which I, you yep. know, I've read a couple of Dean Koontz books. This is not one of them. Um, not a- I read this book. Oh, yeah, uh, actually. So I have some insights that I want to add from the book. Oh, cool. Because the book is actually really great. I'm not a Dean Koontz fan. I just read Phantoms because I love the movie so much. And I just wanted to see what, you know, yeah. where it came from. And I think I, I put it in my notes too that we'll eventually talk about, but like how much it vibes from this story. And I always assumed that it came out before Phantoms, but Phantoms was released three years before it. Really? Interesting. Yeah. So, oh, Stephen King. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I would assume that this was a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say Almost like off, he read it and he was like, that's a good idea. Right. Let's put it in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I do feel like, and I haven't read that much Coon, so I can't say with authority, but I feel like there's an emptiness to this story that I don't always find in Stephen King books, which I think is partly mm-hmm. why it makes it really comforting to watch. But like. I feel like there's kind of like missing characterization and that could be the movie. I don't know if there's more in the book, but that's kind of the vibe I've picked up with Coons. And I heard um, somebody described it. I've probably said this before, but the the Coons writes about scary things that happen to people. And Stephen King writes about people that have scary things happen to them, you know? And I feel like, yeah. Well, there's the old, Dean Koontz joke where it's like if Dean Koontz signs one of his books for you, <laughs> yeah. it goes up in value 25%. But if Stephen King signs a Dean Koontz book, it like doubles in value. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, no shade to Koontz because I, I read Hideaway and I liked it. He just, when you compare him to Stephen King, but also when you compare a lot of authors to Stephen King. Yeah, I I, I can't think of too many authors I can compare to Stephen exactly, King. Exactly, yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to mention the director super quick, like yeah. Joe Chappelle, because one of the things I 
when I'm watching this movie, I'm like, it felt a bit disjointed at times. Like it it mishmashes genres in a way where sometimes it does feel like it's trying to smash things together. Like you have the very 90s trope of like somebody turning like directly into the camera to say something and then immediately getting their face eaten off. Mm -hmm. And then you have the Mm sci-fi horror trope of the 90s of like a team of army scientists in white suits showing up with like a whole SWAT team behind them. Like that just is a thing that happens. And it's really out of the blue compared to this being a very small thriller. Mm -hmm. So Joe Chappelle also directed the 1995 movie Halloween, the curse of Michael Myers, which if you know, that was the one that dimension really fucked with. And it took about, good like 30 years before it got like its producer's cut Mm -hmm. and i would argue that between those two cuts there's a great movie that's there so you this is a guy i think who had a lot of his work basically fucked with by dimension and the wine scenes he did um dark prince the true story of dracula which is a kind of like docudrama which if if anyone has seen that and then saw then watched buffy the vampire slayer season five like the first episode which featured dracula it was the same actor playing dracula in so i thought that was a bit of yeah i think that was a bit of cross marketing he's gone on to do a lot of television he's like done episodes of the wire he's done a lot of shows you've seen Mm -hmm. basically like i would call him like a working director like csi miami Mm -hmm. fringe chicago fire uh, more he's directed 60 episodes or some or uh, 30 episodes of CSI Miami oh, nice. and he's like produced a lot of like television that you've watched basically so he you know went on to have a pretty solid career yeah! sorry that was my CSI Miami <laughs> Well, I just have to deal with it. It's just... I'm sorry. I can't open. Sorry, carry on, Mike. That's it. That's really what. Just well, mark, I don't even know. How do you rebound minute, from that? Mark minute 34. Right. Here, exactly. here for editing to prepare yourself. Uh, I'll, I'll turn the, the scope down. Yeah. That's interesting, though, because I do feel like there is a little bit of like studio-itis with this, which knowing what I know about Miramax, I could totally see. Absolutely. And, you know, I used to love CSI Miami. And, like, I think that's the majority of the people that are in the industry is they are just working, they're showing up, they're Mm -hmm. taking jobs, they're doing stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot to say about that. Yeah, I think that some of the ideas that are presented to you in this movie are extremely wild Mm -hmm. times in a couple different ways. You know what I mean? And also studio-wise, I mean – as much as I love Ben Affleck, and I actually don't think he did a bad job in this movie, yeah, yeah. he's so horribly miscast because that character, I think his name is Bryce, he's like a jaded FBI agent, former FBI agent. And in the book, he isn't actually demoted after he shoots the kid. What happens is he has such horrific PTSD mm. from his experience that he finds the smallest town he can find where he's never he can be the sheriff but he never has to use his weapon Mm. and he ends up in this crazy otherworldly situation Mm, interesting so like his character is really a fascinating character Mm -hmm. who's dealing with a lot of shit 
Um, and that's another, I mean, not to get back into like the it thing. Mm-hmm. He has a very Bill Denborough arc. Really? Where in order to defeat this creature, he has to get over the guilt he has inside of him for what he has done for the loss of the child, just like Bill has to get over the loss of his little brother, Georgie, Mm -hmm. and what role he played in that. Hmm. So it's a really great character arc. And then you cast Ben Affleck, who had to be like 27. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So to be like, it's sort of like there was another movie, um, and I don't remember what it was, but the movie was actually really good. And Elizabeth Olsen played like a former FBI agent. And I was like, Elizabeth Olsen's like 18. Right, exactly. Like, how is she? Like, he must have shot that kid on his first day. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that just means that they're like five years away from playing grandmothers in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think That's he's true. fine in this movie. He just doesn't have a yeah, whole he did lot a good to job, do. Just, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's fine. <laughs> I yeah. I don't have an issue with Ben Affleck. I think if I had to choose between him and Matt Damon, I'd probably choose Matt Damon. But I mean, I like Armageddon. You know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think in this movie, maybe, especially I'm thinking of the movies that were coming out at the time, like I also love Stir of Echoes mm-hmm. a lot. I think Kevin Bacon would have been perfect. Ooh, casting yeah, that would have been good. A little more Sheriff grizzled. Price. Especially Just a little bit movie. older. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And and not even knowing that the the rest of the story about his character that we just can't have really when it's Ben Affleck he just feels way too young and way too he like, feels very young it's very like this like, hot young actor we got to get him in the movie you know mm-hmm. yeah and I enjoy it it's fine well, <laughs> I'd say that about I don't understand like what the character of Liz is in this movie mm-hmm. like I honestly have the feeling that this script was written without her in it like because you could remove everything about her character give it to the doctor yeah you mean lisa you have the same yes i'm sorry rose mcgowan so yeah yeah you could give you could take everything out of her character and Mm -hmm. give it to the doctor yeah and i think if they had focused more on and it's a matter of time and like the what you're making like if they had focused more on the guilt that jenny felt for bringing her sister into this she thought she was doing something good she thought she was making her life better and safer and then she brings her into this horrific thing and in the book she's young Mm. she's like 12 or 13 which actually makes Stu's character much 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 creepier because his sexual advances are even more so in the book and you kind of get to see his inner monologue and what he thinks about this 12 year old girl Mm -hmm. so it's horrifying, but yeah, the way they did it, you didn't need. Yeah, but I, I more felt like it felt like this script was written without her, and then it was like, hey, <laughs> we have this young, perform- and I guess maybe because it's based on a book, but I could easily see it being like, hey, we have this young actor who has done like the Doom Generation and Scream. She's obviously really talented. She has a great look. Write something for her and put her in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I could easily see that being the case because like. again like mcgowan is like this is a run where like she's going to go on to do jawbreaker in a couple years i mean she has a tremendous run in the late 90s and they're just looking for stuff for her to do like there's nothing for her there it's kind of sad yeah yeah and it probably was like wasn't like what like right apart to stick in if the sister exists in the book but just like what do we have that is 
very vaguely like age appropriate for her to do. Maybe you know? age her up. Like maybe she was yeah. written as 13. Mm-hmm. Let's put in Rose, who's like early 20s. We yeah. can get away yeah. with that. How can we make this work? Yeah. Yeah. It- and without her, how would Jenny know how to load a shotgun? That's true. Yeah. I mean, she probably wouldn't have been out of town, too. You know, <laughs> um, what I love about this movie, it's one of those movies where if you pull the threads, it probably will explode on itself. Mm-hmm. But like, I feel like on a very surface level, it hangs together reasonably well, you know, like they yeah. introduce so many different things, but they don't go deep enough into anything for you to really want to start pulling it apart. You know, like I just, I was watching it. And I was like, Oh, this is the science minute. This isn't going to make sense, but I'm just going to go with it. And it doesn't, <laughs> but it doesn't make like atrocious sense where it's like so far out of believable that I'm like, this is dumb. You know, it seems like it'll work. Yeah. You can shoot needles. Try it. People. Yeah. I mean, what are we doing <laughs> yeah. here? You know? Um, so I think they did a pretty good job, like keeping it really light, merging all of those ideas together, you know, because mm-hmm. like another film that tries to do like a sewer monster and like flatworm parasites, but also the thing and like a ghost story, like it would be a complete mess. And I feel like this yeah. isn't really it's not messy. It's just slight is kind of the word, you know, but that's mm-hmm. what keeps it fun, you know, Um well, we're kind of already talking about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to... That's another thing about, like, when I think about... If I made a list of how this compared to it, I could... It would have a lot of parallels, you know. Oh, for sure. But I feel like it's enough its own story that it doesn't feel yeah. like a knockoff. And the same about the thing. Like, I feel like there are definitely moments where I'm... Especially with the dog. That's the one where I was like, ah, oh, the thing. But I don't really feel like it's ripping anything off. I feel like it's just kind of borrowing from a lot of different stuff. You know, I was still into yeah. it as its own story, you know. Yeah, and I'm I'm a huge It fan. It's my favorite Stephen King novel. I love the all the movies. I just love the story. Mm-hmm. That's also another story that's like damn near impossible to put on film, mm-hmm. as we've seen <laughs> yeah. uh, in its entirety. And so... But I'm I'm a huge fan of Phantoms as well, and I never felt like they were stealing ideas from each other. I do feel like they're very separate stories, especially, I mean, even though we we even have a Henry Bowers. Yeah. We even, ha- like, Stu is instantly drawn to this thing that's happening. Like, you see him, like, instantly start. I remember when they first start going towards the Candle Glow Inn, and he's just, like, marching. He's, like, trying to get there. Mm-hmm. And they have to stop him and be like, what the fuck are you doing? And he doesn't even realize what he's doing. Like, he's so drawn to it, just like Henry Bowers was with it, and then eventually gets taken over, and it is the perfect conduit because of all of the creepy psycho shit yeah. <laughs> in his brain. So there are a ton of parallels, but I love them both. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny with Stu, um, it feels like I didn't, maybe because I love Liev Schreiber so much, like I really wanted him to be maybe the Ben Affleck character, you know? Yeah. Um, But like, I wasn't really expecting him to go full like Henry Bowers, you know, until he started touching the corpse, you know, which I guess is pretty early, but yeah, I don't know. It's He makes some choices. Yeah. Schreiber is definitely like making some choices mm-hmm. in this movie where there is some scenery to be chewed. And he's, he gets the kind of hand, he gets a, a, almost like a Vincent price type of performance, yeah. like mm-hmm. really hammy and really over the top. The ending uh, in the bar resembles like Joe Dante's the howling. 
mm-hmm. uh, end of the bar. Um, I, you know, picked up on that and there's definitely something twitchy and unnerving about him yeah. throughout this movie. But I feel Even like... Even the way he chews gum. Right. And I, I just eat it up. I love it. I'm sorry. I'm going to hose myself down in a minute. <laughs> um, but he is a big crush for me. But also, I feel like he has room to chew that scenery in this movie because nobody else is yeah. really doing that, you know? Like, Ben Affleck was playing, like, hero man, you know? And then uh, Rose McGowan and Joanna Going are, like, they're doing their thing, but nobody really has a whole lot to do. And so Stu is able to make be this, like, larger-than-life character. He's able to make that dumb limbo joke. And it's, like, it's not the 90th joke like that you've heard in the movie or there aren't, like, three yeah. other characters like that. So you're not sick of it. Like, I really enjoyed his his um his death scene or i guess he's got like three death scenes yeah, i was gonna say which one <laughs> right 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 yeah i liked the one where he tentacled out and i can tell oh, yeah. like laura's um laura our other co-host has been kind of getting into my head because i was like some of those are practical effects right are they oh yeah there's a lot of practical effects a lot of really great and and yeah. that was the weird part about this time mm-hmm. the late 90s was that we still had horror and sci-fi movies using really incredible practical effects but cgi was also becoming more available mm-hmm. and so we had movies like this sphere the faculty where like you have all these really great practical effects in the movie like the tentacles and and parts of the moth eating the face like all of that mm-hmm. stuff and then you have like the light breath creature <laughs> yeah. and you're like, no, what happened? Uh-huh. We were doing so well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think it looks bad. Like there are a couple of moments where no. I was like, that's CGI. Um, Did you guys notice that the big creature thing that forms at the end mm-hmm. is actually a drawing that's on one of the people's walls in the town? No. Did not. Oh, that's cool. The, the guy, you know, when there's like the montage of the different houses and they go in, they're like, these people set their dinner table mm-hmm. and didn't uh-huh. eat. And like these people did this. They go into this one guy's room and there's a lot of like sort of satanic iconography on his walls. Like it's postered. He's sort of, I don't know, I guess he's supposed to be kind of like gothy or mm-hmm. like heavy metal. And he's got some like original sketches and one of them is the creature you see at the end, but it's really fast. Like they just kind of breeze by it. Uh-huh. That's and cool. I love that. Well, and that's interesting. Like I, the one of the things that I wanted to know more about was this idea that it can absorb what you think it is and that it thinks it's the devil. Like, I think that's a really interesting concept. I'm probably glad they didn't expand on it too much because like I said earlier, it may have just pulled the whole thing apart. But I think that's really interesting. Yeah. The flatworm thing was, and this is actually science experiments that have actually been done, where they will introduce a maze or something for a flatworm to complete. And then they grind up the flatworms and feed them to other flatworms and the other the next batch of flatworms can complete the task faster. Oh shit. It's called like generational genera- generational knowledge. Crows have it too, but they don't eat each other's flesh, but it's like one generation of crows can somehow and we don't know if it's like verbally they're telling or it literally is in their dna they can remember the faces of people who have fucked with them in the past and they can pass it down generationally wow and it's something that we don't understand and so like that idea of 
this creature kind of absorbing the knowledge of everything that it consumes and it consumes enough people like let's say it wiped out the mayans it may have represent it may have thought it was a mayan god mm. because the mayan may have thought oh my gosh this is you know quetzalcoatl or like whatever the fuck mm -hmm. and then i hope i didn't just was that aztec i don't know <laughs> me neither aztec or mayan. sorry <laughs> um <laughs> but um you know so enough people thought this is the devil this thing is all powerful that it started to sort of believe it was as well mm -hmm. But there, are, there's proof in the movie that it's not because when they do turn the power off to the um, like science shed, mm -hmm. it can't no longer hear what they are planning because it is not all powerful. Mm. It was using electricity to mm -hmm. hear what they were saying. Interesting. So using its cockiness against it is pretty pretty dope. Yeah, yeah. Um, that reminds me of um, this is not science at all, but like Clan of the Cave, <laughs> Cave Bear, which is more maybe romantic fiction. But they talk about like the um, the woman who in the clan who was responsible for like locating the herbs that weren't poisonous, and like there mm. is a way of passing down that DNA. But this was like before we trained ourselves out of that knowledge because we don't need to pass it down through generations anymore because it's all available. Yeah, we can. It could do, we can pass it down in written language. Right. Or, yeah. But before that, it yeah. was just, it was more like through DNA. Um, I think that's really interesting. And I think that I like how vague the monster is because I can kind of, like, if I like the flatworm thing, I can go there. If I like the demon thing, I can go there. You know, like there's, there's a bit of stuff with the chapel and just the fact that it like just wants to kind of fuck with everybody, you know, I think is, is really interesting. Well, this is idea of the, demon is the ultimate narcissist i mean because yeah. what it really wants is it it is leaving this group alive and it is like trying to get o'toole's character dr flight there because it wants its word spread it wants to be known it wants to be acknowledged it's really the ultimate narcissist and mm -hmm. uh, ashley to your point like it is overestimating its abilities mm -hmm. uh, which is a one of the key components of narcissism and it's also wanting to be acknowledged for things that you know may or may not be worth acknowledging which is another key component but it's basically like wants all of the attention on itself and it's not afraid to kind of trample over the rights of others to trample over the space of others in order to get it so you get basically the devil is nothing more than you know the ultimate look me in the look in the mirror type of dude yeah yeah and if you want to know more about narcissism check out our series on narcissism mm -hmm. <laughs> um well okay i want to talk a little bit speaking of the effects like the fbi leader and i can't remember his name it's jen copperfield copperfield his death really fucked me Boy. up like i was not <laughs> expecting like there's that death in um underwater where it's the first guy in his like suit just oh, cracks and then he yes. just implodes um, and that it had kind of those vibes where it was just like you're watching this person know he's about to die in like one of the most horrible ways you can imagine. And the thing that fucked me up, too, is he's not like he didn't accidentally wander into a puddle of this shit. Like it just no. comes up from the ground. There was no way he could have protected himself from this. Even that suit, you know, and just like the look when the black goo is like raising up into his helmet just was really upsetting. And then he spits that big piece of glass out. Yeah, he like pulls it out. That's practical effects too. Really? You can tell that they've like constructed a mouth that they can like mm -hmm. 
expand and pull that big piece of glass out and man it is it's effective yeah man because <laughs> it looks grody oh, it does the other thing that i was kind of into was like the way that they would talk once they had become part of like the the hive mind yeah. thing they just like open their mouth and then vo- and i could see that being Sounds written in a out. book you know um and I feel like they pulled it off really well here, you know? Yeah. It just, it's, it's a really creepy effect, and I wish more horror movies used it. Mm-hmm. Sort of like how in The Exorcist, Reagan's voice was so successful because it wasn't really manipulated. It was an actually, it was an old woman who smoked about, I don't know, four packs a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that effect where, like, they didn't manipulate it they just took a bunch of people saying the same lines and and melded them together to literally make sort of an an all speak Mm -hmm. like an all being it's so creepy and and then obviously like you can hear the different voices come to the surface Mm -hmm. like when it when it's sort of like I don't know more it's it's weird and also the when you talk about like the mumbling on the phone from earlier in the movie Mm -hmm. like how they heard it when they picked up the phone line. They heard it on the CB radio. And that's a huge thing in the paranormal community that that they've believed for long to ever since we had radios is that that sort of communication can be done through things like radio waves because radio waves are naturally occurring things. Mm-hmm. We've just learned how to harness them and use them to do what we want to do with them. Mm-hmm. But who knows what else they can do Hmm. well and it's so cool like because they're not forming the shapes of the words too there's Mm -hmm. no like is that his voice why does his voice sound different it's just so clear that this is not them anymore that their body like I find that kind of upsetting too that their bodies are just being used like this you know yeah which is meat puppets exactly yeah that's yeah (laughs) that's a very supernatural (laughs) way to put it you watch supernatural (laughs) No, we call it meat, that meat suits is when you're yeah. a possessed person. Yeah. Um, the other thing that really kind of creeped me out was the trapped souls idea. Like mm-hmm. the thought of them all being just kind of trapped in this worms, like mind palace or something. And then when they're all just standing in the road, I thought that was really Oof. effective just to show like the magnitude of like all of this destruction, you know? Also just Yeah, and I think Peter O'Toole's reactions were really effective in those moments too, because you had to believe that what he was seeing was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And I always did. Yeah. Especially one of my favorite moments is when, you know, because they drag him along, they go to the city, they meet up with him in his office or whatever. They drag him along. They don't even tell him why. He knows it has something to do with the ancient enemy. Mm-hmm. And then like he gets there and when Copperfield's giving the briefing. He's like, Timothy Flight is here. You guys probably know him as the name written on the locked bathroom door uh, mirror. And he looks at him like, Excuse me? <laughs> like, I've been personally invited here by this thing. Uh, that is like, creepy. no one tells him. And he's. He's great. Yeah. He's so over the top. I love him. <laughs> I love the moment where he realizes he's going to be the bait. That's the way I can't even no. remember what he says. Oh, no. <laughs> he's like, so what are we doing? And then he was like, what? What? When they all just kind of look at him. I thought they all look at him. They're like, how are we going to get this thing to come out? And they're like, well, yeah, we were thinking. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to hear like us out. It. But yeah, he was great. You in are what? this thing once <laughs> right right and I mean he is you know yeah um 
I also really loved the opening. Like the first 30 minutes of this is just like a deserted Super town. Unsettling. I know. It's so cool. And so it's got like, I don't think it starts snowing yet, but it's still just got this really wintry vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And then going through house to house. And I like, I had no clue what the fuck was going on. I was like, is this yeah. ghost? Is this a murderer? Is this like, what the hell is this thing going to be? Um, and it's just really creepy. I think, Mike, you were talking about the look of the town, and I think it works really well for this. Yeah. It's a great setting. Yeah. The song is it's, perfect, too. Yeah. It's really one of the most, like, beautiful parts of the country mm-hmm. to begin with, but also it looks like when you, whenever I go to Telluride, I feel like I'm stepping back into, like, the late 1800s. <laughs> it has that feel to it so you immediately get that vibe you get the vibe of an old deserted ghost town when you're wandering through it and i think that is part of the reason why having something like this done on set you know on on a location as opposed to like a a set or as opposed to like let's film it in georgia or let's film it in van at the time would have been vancouver Mm -hmm. like let's film it in vancouver and just make it look like a small midwestern town like nope like that's not gonna cut it yeah yeah it it really so, feels lived in yeah. there was just like this attention and there was an even a small movie like this there's an attention to detail and there's this kind of feel like let's get all of these things right mm-hmm. that i don't think you have now and i think part of it is because like you can fix so many things in post you can do so many yeah. things on green screen that it's just kind of like, let's pick up and go, like shoot, 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 and we'll fix it later, Mm -hmm. which you couldn't do back then. So if for nothing else, like this kind of movie, like I don't know if I'll ever watch Phantoms again. Like it was (laughs) definitely an enjoyable watch, and I'm glad we brought it to the show. Mm -hmm. But I think movies like this bring me back to a place and like, yep, it did used to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause even the like crummier movies were still like so watchable. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. as soon as we finished Phantoms actually, we were like, let's watch Deeper Rising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember because it's that same vibe where it's like, this was such a B movie schlock, but it's so good. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is performance wise, great. Like the use of practical effects when they use them. Yeah great like they knew when to put humor in they knew i don't know i just i really do think yeah movies just used to be better yeah yeah it's it feels very extreme right now it's like it's a this masterpiece that i love like when i think about attention to detail i think about robert eggers obviously but then like, oh yeah or it's like you were saying mike let's just point the camera and get it done and get our sign our checks you mm-hmm. know um yeah. yeah robert eggers is the exception mm-hmm. right and, you know yeah. It's like when you think of like what Jennifer Kent did with the Nightingale, like that is the exception. That's not the rule any longer. I have not yeah. seen that because I read a little bit about the plot and I was like, this might be too much. Just in me. terms of this like her craftsmanship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> a lot. Like it is a brutal movie, but mm-hmm. just in terms of like the craftsmanship and the level of detail yeah. that kind of the world building that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a lot of chatter like hey is salem's lot going to hit its release date in september right now and it looks like probably not yeah considering we don't even have a trailer right yeah you have like one still of the movie and it's that is illustrated-esque yeah (laughs) that is king's first attempt at like doing serious world building it's my favorite king book and i'm re-listening to it 
again and i'm like do you think that this like two and a half hour movie is going to do the scope of that book any sort of justice like do you think you're going to feel like you're in small town maine watching that movie you know probably not my wife and i are on a murder she wrote kick (laughs) right now because that's like comfort comfort television Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. us and we're like my god like it was shot in california but it was shot in northern cal it looks and feels like a quaint maine seacoast town like you just you don't get that anymore yeah no and i think that some of it has to do with the location like the actual sets and locations and some of it has to do with the glossiness like movies today Mm -hmm. are just so glossy and like so they're artificial Mm -hmm. and there there can be no connection to something artificial which is why cgi just inherently is not scary Mm -hmm. because there is no you can't touch it yeah and so it's not going to scare me if i can't if it couldn't touch me, mm-hmm. if it could just go right through my body right. or not exist at all. But also, like, I think a lot of horror movies these days that aren't directed by people who are putting a lot of care into it, a lot of the, you know, quick release kind of horror, they focus on what is going to, like, scare you the most in the moment. And they don't focus on what's going to, like, lingering, mm-hmm. like, yeah. leave you feeling uneasy and kind of creeped out in that eerie feeling and i think that's such a more powerful feeling of fear than the like ah, oh anyway mm-hmm. you know what i mean it lasts longer and therefore is just a better scare mm-hmm. and today i mean i even you know i rewatched it part chapter one and two recently because i was like maybe i was too hard on it at <laughs> first and i think i maybe was a little too hard on it mm-hmm. but also they keep doing this thing and i don't understand why they do it where like something's very scary is happening and then it goes bah, 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 like into the camera Mm -hmm. and they did it like 40 times watching these movies Mm -hmm. and it was like sure i mean i guess if i was in the theater maybe the first time i would have been like ah Mm -hmm. but like that was their scare tactic for so long and it's like wouldn't it be scarier though if dot 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 yeah so yeah there's a lot of yeah then i think that's why so many movies for even though they are b horror or c horror from the 80s and 90s just are scarier yeah. because they focus on those eerie feelings as opposed to the jumps. Yeah. I think about one of the most eerie moments in the thing for me is when um, Wilford Brimley is walking just past the camera and he's got like his face is still attached to the captain's face with his hand and it's like two seconds but it's just Mm -hmm. so eerie and including that in the movie is just like you easily could have taken that out you know but just those little touches that sticks with you you know but it's not really a jump scare I think you're totally right there um Mike this was an interesting Salem's Lot connection Because I think, and it made me think about, did they effectively build the world of this town out? And I think it's easy to do when all of your residents are dead, you know, Mm because you can just, but like, I feel like this is a real place that I could go. Like, I feel like the Lieberman's like, yeah, I'd go to their bakery. It's cool, you know? Well, and Ashley, you mentioned earlier something about casting and Mm -hmm. that this had some issues with casting. Well, I mean, mostly it was with the, I think Bryce's character just needing to have an a believable older FBI mm-hmm. agent and again with like like we said with Rose McGowan like Rose McGowan and Ben Affleck there was nothing wrong with them they did fine yeah. like no one did a bad job I also like how there's no like total 
losers in the movie. Like, there's no one that's like a total um, waste of space. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, when it comes to fighting, like Rose McGowan's loading guns, Rose McGowan is like fighting back. She's not just like, "Ah," Uh you know, and and that because that always drives me crazy because when you're in those moments, like it's fight or flight. So you either run your ass off or you fight and I think everyone in this movie was like listen I'm not going down (laughs) without a fight Mm -hmm. so that was kind of nice yeah I thought Peter O'Toole was really good casting Stu um Liev Schreiber after reading the book I was able to say Liev Schreiber read the book ah mm mm-hmm because he was so and I think that's kind of why sometimes he feels so like he's chewing the scenery or like he's uh, a little over the top but like he he did the homework Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like he is Stu he is a creep Stu is a creep Mm -hmm. he's not and like you said like you see Liv Schreiber and you're like oh hello Mm -hmm. but like immediately you're immediately you're like what is there's something off about this guy Mm -hmm. and everything he does kind of gets creepier and creepier I'd say Liv Schreiber is one of the actors of that generation that could pull off being dangerous without always being the heavy like he didn't Mm -hmm. have to necessarily play a bad guy in every movie i think it's like two years later he's gonna play Sabretooth in Ah. the first x-man movie oh right kind of where i remember him from he's very good at having that underlying sense of like on the wrong day this might not be a person that you want to fuck with Uh uh he does that really well in Scream too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And to your point, Ashley, babyface Ben Affleck. <laughs> like he he really is like a he could play that role now, I think. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think if he played it now, he'd actually do mm-hmm. really let's do a remake of Phantoms. Yeah. Who needs a sequel when we get to, to a re- remake? Visit this town twenty five years. <laughs> <That's right. later. laughs> Ben's back. <laughs> yeah. He's just like he's too young. Like him acting opposite peter o'toole mm. i was getting very much like keanu reeves and <laughs> sir anthony hopkins vibes in mm, in dracula <laughs> in dracula yeah. um, i thought you were gonna say uh devil's advocate no because <laughs> no, no, we don't need to go there pacino at that point pacino's like yeah where do i Mm, where I, do I scream? It's yeah. it's right. Where do it? It's he and Nicholson like it it about the same point in their careers decided like I'm no longer playing a character. I'm just going to play yeah. like an exaggerated version of myself. Well, and I think you know that's probably what they were being asked of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's like, no, no, no. We want we want Al. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like Pacino. Oh, yeah, I'll give you Al then. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, which camera do I scream in today? Right. Yeah, which one? I do love The Devil's Advocate. Like I haven't watched it in Me a long time. Me too. Love that movie. I'm sure that will be a comfort horror at some point. It's got. I'm be. sure. I used to watch sure it a lot. Like if it was on TV, I don't care if there was 20 minutes left or it started three minutes ago. Like I was watching it until I didn't care if there was a commercial every 10 minutes. Same. I was watching The Devil's Advocate. <laughs> yeah, it had a crush on Keanu Reeves and then Devil. Like I'm in. What else do I need? Yeah, you know? yeah. And I feel like it was the, on TV quite a bit. The only other thing I have for this movie is. It is very odd that Affleck's redemption arc involves him shooting a child. <laughs> Again. <Yeah. laughs> Again. You know, it's 
This we time joked he's just about shooting it. at a child. But remember, he <laughs> yeah. missed. We joked about it in the synopsis of like him shooting a kid with a toy gun and then getting like losing his job. You know, but he's still law enforcement, I guess. Like, yeah. But like yeah. his traumatic, as soon as he mentioned like, this is why I got demoted. You're like, oh man, he is going to shoot that kid again <laughs> at the end yeah. of this movie, isn't he? And countdown, he sure does. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the sections that I feel like could have used a little more fleshing out. You know, like I feel like that bit. kid's not really haunting him too much. And it just feels very like connecting point A to point B because it's in the book, you know. But it is a cool way to kill this creature, though. I do like agree. if it was more fleshed out, it would have been like, wow, that's really great. But it was a little bit wishy-washy. But that is a really cool way to, one, defeat the creature. Because a lot of times when you're watching something like this and they do go into like, how do we defeat it? Mm -hmm. And then it's like something just completely like <laughs> random. Right. Where you're like, like throw okay, water sure. on it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, like signs yeah. where it's like maybe they're allergic to water. And it's like, I mean, I guess. Right. We got to end the movie somehow, you know. <laughs> we got to end it somehow. Just put some water on it. Apologize yeah. And so I think there. that this was, I love signs. I'm not even, I do. <laughs> not even, no, no hate. I just, you know, water. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I do think it was a really cool way to kill uh, the creature, mm -hmm. even though maybe not as successful as they wanted it to be. Yeah impact wise yeah well mike you want to talk about rose mcgowan i love her so much <laughs> I mean, cherry darling oh my god don't get me <laughs> started this is usually me i'm usually like less i just think that she is i mean the closest thing you had to like betty page with screen talent mm. at this time like just like classic pinup model looks like i mean she's a strikingly gorgeous woman but who... also weird looking but like in the best way like yeah. not that i don't mean that mm -hmm. in a slight like yeah that's a good thing mm -hmm. she looks like she could absolutely beat your ass and have you <laughs> come back and ask for more mm -hmm. yeah just and you know i am glad she's in this even though it's kind of a waste of her talents like they really don't have anything for her to do in this movie like you could have cut her role completely and i don't think you would have lost anything yeah which is which is too bad and again like it's hard like when you see like the dimensions logo come up and the miramax logo come up mm -hmm. and you realize like everything that this woman has been put through and it's not like she just started talking about these things in 2017 like she was banging that drum for years and was kind of being scorned and laughed There's at her. We didn't see her in movies for no. a while. Yeah. Yep. She um was also, I think, dating Marilyn Manson at this time. Mm, that's and right. I think she oh. came out and said, like, well, we broke up because like our lifestyles are tremendously different from one another. Like I remember this would have been around the time like you would have seen her at like I think the MTV movie awards or music that video dress. awards, like the chain mail dress. Yep. Mm-hmm. That Full is butt. like yeah, the Farrah Fawcett poster of the late 90s, basically, for yeah, any teenage yeah. boy. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So she was someone that like is, and again, like I'm doing it right now. She was like someone who was like hypersexualized. And then you realize like what she went through and you're like, damn, like that is, we, we need to do better. Yeah. 
Yeah, just hearing some of the other stories I've heard about Marilyn Manson, I had not put that together also, mm -hmm. which is mm, just upsetting. But she is great in this, you know? Yeah, she's great. She's great in this. She's no great complaint. in Scream. Scream. I've never she's seen her in anything she's not good in, you know? Undoom Generation. She's oh. unbelievable <laughs> in not a good movie. I haven't seen <laughs> She's unbelievable in um, Jawbreaker a mm -hmm. year after this. Love Jawbreaker. Um, Death yeah. Proof. I love her in Death Proof. Oh, she's, that's maybe her best role. She's so good as just the small town bar fly is character right. trying to get a ride home. Yeah. She's great. And her death scene in that movie is horrific obviously but also she sells that so well i've i very few performances that i've seen that have that have expressed that much terror mm -hmm. i haven't seen it okay i'm gonna have to see it now oh you gotta death see proof. death proof it is i think you'd really good. love yeah yeah the fact that there's not like a easily available blu-ray double feature of that like you have to buy them separately and i that it's i think yeah i'm looking right now like $132 for the Blu-ray. Oh, jeez. It's a steelbook version, but like mm. I don't know what kind of steel. I feel like you can find a used copy on eBay yeah, or something. Doesn't yeah, sound like a steel I a lot me. of people preferred Planet Terror and Planet Terror is really fun, mm -hmm. but I think Death Proof is a legitimately like great Oh yeah. film. Mm. I love it. All right, well it's going on my list now. If if I can find it. And I also yeah. want to say because we mentioned Betty Page she went to my high school. Mm -hmm. so. Betty Page did? Yeah, Hume Fogg. What, what? Also, Natalia Dyer from Stranger Things went to my high school, too. So, you know, kind of Dang. the coolest. No one went to my high school. <laughs> Death Proof would be your you think so? Is that the one right where she's oh, got the machine jam. gun for the leg? That is That's Planet, Planet Terror. Terror. Okay. All right. Well, now I have to watch Yeah, those. Death Proof is just like full of some of the most insane stunts you'll ever see Ooh. and they're all performed by zoe bell mm -hmm. who was the stunt woman in like kill bill ah, uh -huh. and uh and she's just she gets to play herself and she kills it it's it's awesome oh that sounds so cool. it's an all-time great performance from kurt russell oh uh, yeah <laughs> rosario rosario dawson is incredible sorry you have me at in kurt this russell. movie <laughs> It, it it honestly may be like a future patron episode. Ooh, I'm down for yeah. that. Oh, well, is there anything else we want to talk about that we haven't already talked about? Just that the movie is perfect and everyone should watch it. <laughs> I agree. I really enjoyed it. And I think for what it's trying to do, it does it about as good as it could, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think there, another reason I had it on repeat so much is that there is that huge shift like right in the middle of the movie where it becomes a new movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it almost feels like you get two movies. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's the creepy start and then all this stuff happens. And then once the FBI or is it the FBI? Yeah, the FBI and like the, the military personnel show up. Boom, it's a new movie. Mm -hmm. So it kind of feels like you get a, a really lush experience while watching this. It's not like, you know, not that I don't love the movies, but, you know, Friday the 13th, part one through a thousand, <laughs> however many there are now. It's the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's 
killed in the woods, killed in the woods, killed in the woods, killed in the woods, killed in the woods. And so like a movie like this where like so much happens in such a little time. And like you said, it's not a mess somehow. Right. Like it's not a disaster. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's got this kind it feels in a way like an anthology film has like yeah. you just kind of dip your toes into things and then you veer back out, you know, so you don't get too much of anything to get sick of it. So, yeah, and yeah. I didn't get sick of it. Um. All right. Well, now it's time for an uplifting moment. This is where we share any grounding or coping techniques and any self-care that have been particularly effective for us. Grounding and coping techniques are little tips, tricks, mantras, or practices that help us get through the tough days and the tough moments. And self-care is anything that makes us feel good or feel better. And man, I don't know. I haven't been doing anything that's taking care of myself. <laughs> We're going to the beach next week, so I'm excited about that. And I'm that sun will give you some good vitamin D. I know it will. I was thinking, like, how am I going to work at the beach? What am I going to do? What are we going to do? And then I was like, oh my god, I can just read. Don't I can just, just read. read and soak it up? I know, and I'm excited about that. I'm still scared that we're all going to get eaten by an alligator, but that is a fear. I am working myself through. It'll be fine. So yeah, that's, that's shark maybe doing. shark. Yeah, I, you know, surprisingly. I'm not afraid shark of getting gator. eaten by a shark. It's the alligators. So I don't know. I guess I guess you'll find out in a week's time if we did get eaten. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I've been doing. So, so we're just back from the beach yeah. from a week. Like we did our it, our third annual like trip to the Cape, where it's like an hour's drive for us. Where like we're almost on the Cape where we live right now, but it's far enough away where it feels like a real vacation. And like the way this past school year went. It did not feel like vacation had started until literally we put our bags down, walked out the door and like got a bite to eat at a little place overlooking the dock. And then um, you could like, breathe. Then it felt like, oh, <laughs> summer vacation has mm. started for the be for the next two months. So it was seven days of like feet in the sand. We had our daughter bring a friend for the last few days of it so we could like take them like mini golfing to the beach and, you know, just do some fun outdoorsy things we did fireworks one night where i think i was the only person that enjoyed it because we had to like <laughs> literally sit on the street as thousands of people walked by us because just the way it was set up but i'm like this is great like there's a band playing crappy music thousands of people are going around like having a good time laughing i'm like sitting here just people watching it felt super super relaxing as a way to recharge the batteries and Work being what it is, aside from like one and a half days a week or one day a week, I'm off every day until September. So, ah, oh, nice. What a dream. Oh, I know. living, living the dream. <laughs> and also playing the quarry right now, which is a. Oh, um, I can't wait to start playing the quarry. Oh, it's so good. I've it's heard. So, we might have to do a Twitch for that. Ted Raimi, David Arquette, Lynn Shay. Lance Henriksen for the cast of this game. Um, I was up till four in the morning playing it <laughs> last night, which is why I've been maybe a bit more subdued. <laughs> I am very tired. It's it's fan fucking tastic. We've been replaying until dawn until we oh, get our hands so on uh, the quarry, and I played it 
you know, years ago when it came out, but mm-hmm. my fiance has never actually finished the story. So mm-hmm. we're just sort of playing it together and, and uh, it's a blast and I can't wait to get the quarry because those games are so cool. It definitely does everything until Dawn did right and just builds on it. So great. It's fantastic. I would say, so one of the things, and I've shared this with my listeners before quite a bit, cause we, we touch on, uh, I have an anxiety disorder and I've had it as far as I can remember, like my therapist and I have never actually found the original start date of this thing. Mm. Um, Cause I was always like, Oh, maybe I think maybe my twenties. And then the more we talked, she was like, okay, so when you were in um, grade school, you chewed your cheeks off. <laughs> Do you think that was anxiety? <laughs> and it was like, okay, yes. Um, but anyway, so uh, we talk a lot about it on the show. And one thing that really helped, we did an episode where I don't even remember what the topic of the episode is, but I had to do a lot of studying on the idea of karma and um, how karma is not what everyone thinks it is. Like everyone uses karma as like, oh, that person did a bad thing. Well, karma, Mm -hmm. like it's going to come back to them. And that's not what karma is at all. Mm -hmm. The idea of karma is that everything that happens continues to happen. Mm. So if you say like get in a fender bender on your way home from work and you run into a guy and that guy gets pissed off and you fight with that guy and then that guy brings that energy home to his kids and he treats them poorly and then they're in a bad mood and then they maybe aren't as nice to their mom when they go to bed and then the mom is and it's like this never-ending cycle of negativity and like just bad vibes Mm -hmm. so if you make sure that every interaction you have with another person they leave that interaction feeling positively about what just happened, it could potentially carry on. Mm, mm-hmm. So the the way you treat people and the way that you treat even yourself or the way that you interact with everyone, like if you go to the bank and the teller is like a real, real bitch for some <laughs> reason, mm. like instead of like giving them that energy right back, just taking into account that you have no idea what their day was like mm-hmm. before you, you have no idea what the person who just they just talked to treated them like just making sure that every single thing you do is passing on a piece of positivity Mm -hmm. now where the whole back to you thing is what is eventually going to happen is if enough of us do that if, if enough of the world does that eventually the good is going to come back to us because our lives are going to get better Mm -hmm. because the people around us are going to be more pleasant Mm -hmm. essentially so like that's the idea of karma uh-huh. and for whatever reason that has helped my anxiety so much especially in social situations mm-hmm. in just that like cuz I would take everything so personally mm-hmm. if if like a you know I went to the DMV and they were like not nice to me like I took it personally like they were mean to me mm-hmm. and it's like no they weren't mean to you like yeah. if you actually take a step outside of it and realize that like no it it's the same thing of like bullies mm-hmm. like what why, what makes a bully? Bullying. They're being bullied elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's probably at home. Yeah. So like just taking that empathy and that knowledge and just applying it to everything, it will change your life. Yeah. It feels like breaking the chain of that. Yeah, you know? literally. Yeah. I think when I think about like 
how mean I am to myself sometimes too, you know, just oh thinking about like getting caught in that loop with it. Like it would be much better to get caught in a positive loop of like yeah just things coming like back. imagine what you could accomplish if you were actually like really nice to yourself all the time <laughs> exactly <laughs> what's that imagine like? how much work you could get done I, oh yeah I that's know. something i say to a lot of a lot of people in treatment is when they talk about themselves in that negative way and when they really when they really beat themselves up verbally like what would you do right now with like your best friend was sitting here telling that and you're like well i would tell them this i'm like okay what would you do if like just some person you were sitting next to at a starbucks started to tell you some of these things and started to talk like what would you say to them and they're like i would tell them to not think like that i would tell them this i'm like great so why would you be that kind to a stranger but not to yourself mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, and also really think about like to be good to ourselves it's so hard think about like how if a friend of yours was talking to you like that, like you talk to yourself, would you even be friends with that person? Right. You wouldn't want anything to do right. with that person. Yeah. Yeah. So why? Why do we mm-hmm. treat ourselves that way? It's so wild. Yeah. I remember watching Big Little Lies and that was a the, – the therapist asked her that. It was like, why? tell it to me like it happened to your best friend, you know, just like externalizing it. But Yeah. But it is hard, you know, and it takes practice, but – um, well, we want to hear from you. Are those bunt cakes in your oven? <laughs> I is that a bunt cake in your oven? Or are you just happy to see <laughs> me? Or maybe is it pies? Uh, what's your favorite old timey creepy song or just what's on your mind? You can answer these questions and more by following us on socials at Psycho Apod. You can also join our Facebook group, the Psychoanalysis Podcast Support Group, which is a private and moderated space to share about things we talk about on the episodes or anything else that might be on our mind. And you can email us at psychoapod at gmail.com if you want to share privately and if you have a spare moment please leave us a rate and review on apple itunes it really helps other people find the pod and it makes us feel good thank you to those who have already left us reviews it really means a lot to us and our homework question for the week so i made a pretty big assumption when i was writing this and i said what's your favorite dean coons book maybe we should change it to have you read a dean coons book yes (laughs) i have not I've read Hideaway and I read Odd Thomas and I enjoy both of them. I feel like they're they're good beach reads kind of, you know. Yeah. I remember liking Odd Thomas. Yeah. And Hideaway I liked too, but because I had a crush on Jeremy Sisto back in the 90s. <laughs> I was really into that movie. Um, so yeah, tell us, have you read Dean Koontz? What do you think of Dean Koontz? Just Koontz it up, but in a, a reading way, not a weird way. Um, So next up for us, we have another Comfort Horror episode. Yay! Our schedule for June is a little bit out of the ordinary because of our episode with Ben Stark and our 100th episode. So we are just going to Comfort Horror it up for the rest of July. We are going to be... I think we need to do that right now. I think we do too, man. (laughs) Yeah. We are going to be joined by Stephanie from Books in the Freezer to talk about the 2005 remake of House of Wax. That's hot. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. So get ready for me to have a crush on Jared Padalecki. But for even more of us, Mike, what is going on in the world of Patreon? Sure. So patrons can go to patreon.com slash psychoanalysis podcast for all of our bonus content. It is every every month we put something new up. We typically go pretty fast and loose. Sometimes we'll cover a movie in depth or sometimes we'll just take a topic that we really like and kind of go a little deeper into it. For example, 
this month where our topic is going to be like, who do we find super hot in horror movies? Because I <laughs> no just, just think we need to do that right now. Yeah. We have the medicine chest, which is where we talk about what we're watching, listening, reading, playing, uh, all of that fun stuff. So you'll probably hear me talk a lot more about the quarry on this one and all the mechanics of it. It really is one of the most fun games that I think I've played in about a year. We have things like our treatment plan where we talk about different characters in horror. I kind of do like a little diagnosis of them and talk about different like treatment modalities, like things you might use with that person if they were seeking out counseling. So those are usually quick and fun. We uh, have so three different tiers for that. And then we have a one-time donation tier of like 50 bucks where you get to pick the movie and topic patreon and it's really like for a few bucks a month it's a way to support the show to make sure we have access to a lot of like the research materials we want to do we are taking july and august funds and put and donating them to abortionfunds.org in order to help uh, organizations have like safe local access to women's health care and yeah that's really really it patreon.com slash psychoanalysis podcast get on that train i mean it's <laughs> three bucks a month Choo-choo. get on that terror train yeah <laughs> uh well let's wrap up with some plugs ashley where can we find you online and what's up with keep it keep it weird Oh, keep it weird. So we're we're actually gearing up for another uh, listener ghost stories episode, Ooh. which is our fan favorite episodes. We only do like three, two or three a year mm. because it takes so much work because not only do we read real stories sent in by people of strange experiences we've had, but we add sound effects. We add creepy music um, by really cool artists who are making music on like YouTube and uh, they're really fantastic episodes and they are so freaking <laughs> scary <laughs> they're so scary um so we're gonna have one of those in a couple of weeks and i'm really excited about that and you can uh, check out keep it weird we're on pretty much any platform where you find your podcast but um our social media is at keep it weird cast um our website is www.keepitweirdpodcast.com um and yeah me and my co-host lauren and uh, along with several you know guests throughout the years we're on season six so we've been around for quite a while um but we just take a weird topic every week and it can be something we've done obviously paranormal supernatural we've done true crime but we also have like sex episodes where our guest is a sex worker and she teaches us about her job and we have you know human body episodes where our guest was born a eunuch so he teaches us about his life so it's not all spooks and scares Mm -hmm. um it's just everything that can be sort of categorized under the umbrella of abnormal, strange, unusual, wacky, Mm. fun, just like outside the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, And we we take the word weird and we put a lot of pride into Mm. that. So if anyone thinks like, how rude of you to call sex weird, first of all, weird is the biggest compliment I could ever (laughs) give you. I agree. If you are weird, you are the tits. So... (laughs) If Keep it weird. If somebody is not outraged for pedantic reasons in 2022 <laughs> over something, you 
yeah. you're doing something wrong. Yeah, right. you're doing something wrong. You're not doing work. <laughs> True. And you can also find Ashley on the latest episode of The Losers Club, where we talked yeah. about everything's eventual, which is super fun. And that, I think... I can't I can't remember if both parts of those are out yet, but they will be out in July. Part one just came out on Friday. Sweet. So yeah, uh, episode two is around the corner or coming sooner when this drops may be out now. But yeah, check that out. That was a lot of fun. Um, Mike, where can we find you? So aside from here, you can hear my other show, The Pod and the Pendulum. Everywhere you get your podcast, we just put up one of our episodes or like two of our episodes smashed into one on our main feed here where we did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And <laughs> there Sorry, you go. Contractually obligated a, to do that. Yes, you are. Part two is up as of uh, as of this episode going oh, nice. live. So we have Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 up as we go one episode uh, at a time through that whole franchise. And I'll, I'll say this, like I... And you know my feelings on imposter syndrome. I think we should chuck that right out the window. After I post an episode I particularly am proud of, I'll go back and listen to like, hey, what are other people saying about this movie? Like, how are other people covering it? And nobody, I'll be very honest with you, and this will be some bragging, right? You're not even (laughs) humble bragging. Like, nobody covered that movie as well as we did. Mm, nobody did nice. uh, there is one show that i literally wanted to like reach through my phone <laughs> and start strangling the host um say their names I'm yeah kidding. so yeah. uh Call it would be out. which show was it oh i, was I think it's like a 10 year old it's like a 10 year old episode uh, um okay. It was a different time. Then, so, you know. but I would say like yeah. the part in the pendulum, like where we cover all horror movie franchises, we have like a rotating gang of co-hosts with like Rachel Reeves and um, Stephen Foxworthy, Devon Taylor, Brian Kuyper, Nicole Goebel's going to be joining us more frequently. Jessica nice. Scott's been on more frequently. And then we also have guests on top, on top of that. I know Andrew, who is on both of our David Lynch episodes, is going to be ah. joining us for our Leatherface show. So, you know, mm-hmm. it is, uh, if you want like a, a really deep dive into different franchises, then, you know, we have your fix. <laughs> That's right. And you can find me at uh, the Losers Club podcast about Stephen King. And I think we've got, I'm not exactly sure what the next book is. Oh, the next book is uh, from a Buick 8, which I think is going to be in August. And then we're going to do an It commentary. So lots of fun stuff coming up. And you can also find me co-hosting the White Ladies in Crisis podcast. And man, physical is fucking killing it in season two. I meant, I think that was what I was originally going to talk about in my uplifting moment. And then I forgot. So stay tuned for thoughts about that next, next week. But it's so <laughs> good. And then we're going to, I think we're going to be talking about another show coming up after that. Because we only got one episode of physical left. Um, but you can also find me at Jim Ferratu on socials. And that's me. And that's our episode on phantoms. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you, for, you for having me. Yes, yes, please come <laughs> back. And we have already talked about maybe some future episodes to do also. Yeah, um, got some ideas. Yeah, and thank you for introducing me to this movie. This was so much You're fun. You're welcome. This was a fun one. Yeah. It's the greatest gift I could ever give. <laughs> well, I hope more people <laughs> will discover this movie too from this episode. Me too. Because it really was fun. I could see myself putting this on for comfort horror quite a bit. Listeners, thank you for spending time with us. 
please make sure to take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And with that, let's sign off. We came here to chew bubblegum and take care of ourselves. And we're all out of bubblegum. Oh, <laughs> boy. Let's do that one again. <laughs> we came here to chew bubblegum and take care of ourselves. And we're all, all out of bubblegum. Bubble bubble Yay. <laughs>